Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Leese. Today is October 31st, and today's show, we're going to be giving you a quick market update about what's going on, things ahead, even talking about the midterms coming up soon. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. All right. In the studio here with me, I've got Cody. Cody, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing today? Good, good. Hey, wanted to record an episode. You and I were kind of getting geared up for the day, uh, ready for the week. And I thought it'd be good for us to just do like a quick market update. Um, you know, stuff that we're talking with clients about every single day, as far as what's going on in the market, where we see the market for from a, a firm, you know, in the near future. So we'll just dive right into it. So, um, for those of you that don't know, we've got midterm elections coming up very soon. Um, and that actually is playing a pretty big role with how the markets are responding. Um, and, and mainly because there is a very different uh, economic policy depending on who you elect. Uh, and I think we found that out in the last couple of years is uh, some people have very much pro-business um, policies and other people, maybe not so much. And, and you can see that even state to state, you know, different governors, different mayors, different elected officials, uh, policies matter. And so this upcoming election, um, I think there's a lot more eyes, a lot more focus on it because we really need some better economic policies because we've really dug ourselves into quite a pit. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it was beyond our control. Um, but we, we are in control of the elected officials that we put into the office and, and therefore, um, it is important. So one of the things coming up, you know, that w- the markets are looking forward to, or at least once we have some clarity, we'll we'll know the rest of the direction of the year is midterm elections. And from all um, counts as of right now, it looks like there's going to be a lot more of a red wave, if you will, is what they call it. That just means more <clears throat> Republicans end up taking seats in, in, in the Senate, in the House. And traditionally, you know, differences between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party is the Republicans tend to usually be a little bit more fiscally conservative, um, lower taxes, and the Democratic Party seems to uh, raise taxes and spend a little bit more. That's just kind of the differences. So even with that in mind, uh, if you have more Republicans in office, that would lead to you know more uh, conservative financial policy, which hopefully would bring the uh, the whole inflation issue down. And I think that is an issue that is front and foremost for a lot of families right now. They're looking at the price of their food each month. They're looking at the price at the gas pump. They're looking at just overall costs going up and up and up. And it's it's a number one issue for most families. Uh, if you look at the top four or five issues that most people, when it comes to voting, you know, what's important to them, you have usually uh, the economy is number one and uh, security and crime is number two. So, um, which makes sense because if you can't afford to put food on your table um, and you're not safe, you know, it doesn't matter number four or number five or number six on the list as much because you, you can't even, you know, you know, we need food and shelter. So that's, I think a lot of people are looking at <clears throat> those as core issues going into this election. And uh, Cody, you and I were actually, we've heard this a couple times over the last couple months where people have said that they are going to vote differently because because inflation is so bad that it's made them change how they're going to vote. They're voting for 
you know, this, we heard someone say that they wanted to vote for someone who's going to make the problem better, not worse, <laughs> is what they said. And so um, it makes me wonder how many um, people are feeling like that out there that, you know, maybe aren't as involved in politics, but they see the price at the gas pump, uh, the food costs, the labor costs going up, and they're looking for some answers, looking for some solutions and willing to vote for a representative who will bring solutions, not just more of the same. And so that's one uh, event that we have coming up that I, I, the markets are, are looking to see where we're going to go with that um, in less about two weeks. And the other uh, issue that's coming up that we're looking to see where it plays out through the rest of the year is interest rates. That's another key factor uh, that has been driving the markets. Um, and Cody and I were actually looking at uh, year-to-date bond performance. We looked at the year-to-date bond aggregate index, um, and it was like down 14.9% year-to-date. So because they've raised interest rates so quickly, so fast, <clears throat> it has really hurt the bond market tremendously. And it's made it very expensive for people to go out and borrow money, um, which and then in turn really impacts the real estate market too. So if you think about the dynamics of them raising interest rates, <clears throat> it really has some far-reaching effects. And, and you and I have seen that too, where individuals have decided to do something different or hold off on buying a house because the interest rates are just so cost prohibitive. Uh, A year ago, you could get a 30-year mortgage at 2.8, 2.9, 3% for 30 years. Exactly. And And you had a lot more people wanting houses back then. You're seeing the demand is starting to drop because people are realizing the interest rates are so high and they're thinking, well, if I actually buy this house... I'm mostly going to be punishing myself because of the high mortgage rates. Going yeah, on. yeah. The the difference between a three percent interest rate and a seven percent interest rate, uh, as far as the amount of house that you can buy if you want to keep the payment the same, is is astounding. So, because that interest rate is almost double, you know, than what it was a year ago, um, either you're going to be paying more, a whole lot more for your mortgage each month, or you're going to have to just buy less of a house. And so most people are on a somewhat fixed budget. So they can't just like pay unlimited amounts on the upside. They have to stick within a certain amount with their salaries. So uh, yeah, you're right. We are seeing a little bit of demand slowing down. And so the interest rates are determined uh, by the Federal Reserve. So they meet all throughout the year. They have a board and their main mandate, they have two main mandates. And I've done a show on the Federal Reserve, but just as a recap, uh, they've got two main jobs. One is to control um, the unemployment rate. And then the other one is to control inflation. Um, so those are their two main things they're trying to do. Um, so if you think about inflation, it's just been going up and up and up month after month, year after year over the last year and a half. And so they're really trying to aggressively bring those <laughs> inflationary numbers back down through rising interest rates. So if you think of the dynamics of how that works, if um if a lot of our society say uses debt to buy things which is unfortunately true for a lot of uh, Americans they borrow on the credit card or they go out and spend and a lot of times use debt to do that but if the debt used to be say 7% interest on their credit card a year ago and now the interest is 18 or 19% now they're not going to be able to buy as much and if they keep buying as much as they were they're going to be really paying the price when it comes to interest so um, and the same goes for companies when companies have to pay more to borrow money um, for expansion projects they're just not going to borrow as much they're going to try and pay cash more because it's just so cost prohibitive so them raising the interest rates that's kind of how the dynamics of it 
works. It it makes people spend less, or at least if they're continuing to spend as much as they are, they're just going to be paying a whole lot more interest, uh, and they're going to be one day forced to spend less. That's it's just a reality. So the, the Federal Reserve has been really aggressive with raising their rates. To give you kind of scale, this time last year, uh, the interest rates were pretty much at zero um, for the overnight Fed funds rate, and right now they're at three percent to three and a quarter, and that's been the Federal Reserve raising it half a percent or three quarters of a percent at a time this year. So they've been raising rates pretty aggressively all throughout the year. And the reason why that matters is it affects the bond markets, it affects the real estate markets, it affects the stock market. Um, Again, because if you're a company and you're borrowing a lot of money and it's very expensive to borrow uh, and interest rates are going up and up and up, you may just say, hey, maybe we just, now's not the time to do as much expansion, or at least if we're going to, we have to do it without using debt because it's just so expensive. Um, And so what's going to probably, this is my, my, my thought process is, um, I think the federal reserve, they've been very, um, straightforward and and transparent to say, we will raise, uh, interest rates undeterred, meaning they know that as they raise interest rates, it's going to have an impact on the economy and on the market on real estate market, everything. Um, but they basically, by saying that they say, you know, we don't care what happens. We have to raise interest rates to beat this inflation. However, I don't know, that they can continue doing that because there is a point in time where if you raise interest rates too high, it just destroys the economy. It just crushes it. Um, and and one one way to think about that is imagine if your thirty year mortgage was at three percent, but now is at ten or eleven or twelve. Um, that's going to have a huge impact on what you can buy, how you look at it. So there's a certain point where the Federal Reserve just can't keep raising rates in our current environment. Previously, we've had really high rates, for for sure. But I think it was a different environment then, um, whereas now there's so much more debt that when they raise rates too fast, too quick, or too high, it will have a severe impact on the economy. So they have this, what they call terminal rate, which is like the rate that they could probably raise it to without causing catastrophic uh, problems in the economy. Um, And that's right around 5% 5% is kind of what we, we as a firm has thought that number is. So they only have really another 1%, 1.5% that they can raise rates to, um, to beat inflation. So I think what will happen, and this will be, I think will be good news for the markets, is if the Fed comes out and says, hey, we know we've said we were going to be really aggressive with raising rates. However, um, let's give it some time. We've raised rates a lot this year, and it takes some time to see those interest rate rises take effect economically. So let's give it six months or let's reevaluate next quarter and see um, because uh, usually um, whenever you have a, a monetary policy like that at the Federal Reserve level, you can expect six to 18 month lag time You know for how long it takes for all those changes to take full effect. So if they've just made all those changes this year, they really haven't given it a, the full time that it's needed to see those the impacts of those higher rates. And so um, I think what they'll do is come out and and maybe be a little bit softer on their tone as they come out because uh, they've talked about doing, I think it's three quarters percent again, and and they could be soft by doing half a percent. And so that would be right. a softness is they say, well, or let's do a quarter percent now and then we'll reevaluate next quarter, you know, to see if we need to do it again or next month or however. So that would be, they call it like hawkish and dove. 
And so hawkish means they're like going to be very aggressive and they're going to stick to it and raise rates really fast, you know, and then dove, dovish means the opposite. It means they're going to kind of go slower and be more accommodative. So when they say we think that the Federal Reserve is going to be more dovish, that means they're going to soften their tone, maybe not go as fast for how they're adjusting interest rates. So I actually think if they do that and the midterm elections come out where there's more pro-economic policies, I think we could see the market um, really respond favorably. Plus, we're going into going into this time of year where we end up spending quite a bit of money um, through holiday, the holiday season. They call that the Santa Claus rally. So those are our kind of our updates. We we as a firm are looking at all three of those items and uh, we're kind of straddling the fence, if you will. We're waiting to see how the midterms come out and how the Federal Reserve, uh, what their tone is. And then we're going to react pretty quickly accordingly. Um, but there are such big events that we decided to say, hey, you know, let's um, let's wait and see uh, before we make one move to the one direction or the other. Because we can both, uh, as a firm, <clears throat> bet on the market going up and bet, or I shouldn't say, we can have instruments in our portfolio that uh, appreciate as the market appreciates. And then we can have instruments that appreciate when the market goes down too. So we can, you know, play both sides of the coin, if you will, when needed. Obviously we want to be long-term investors on the upside. That's the majority of what we want to do, but we do have the ability to, um, if we think the market's going down, make a play that way too. So we're waiting to see. Um, and I, I think we've seen, been seeing more and more news come out at the state level, at the, uh, local level, at the city level, that there's just been a whole lot more, of a even in the polls, but the polls are, you know, they they're not hundred percent accurate. But we've been seeing more momentum, at least with the Republican Party looking like they're probably going to, you know, have a red wave, which means they just mostly win most of their elections. And we've had blue waves, we've had red waves. Um, sometimes they have purple waves, <laughs> just like a, a split down the middle. Um, but that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Um, so we're really monitoring those very closely and prepared to make moves one way or the other. Um, the other thing that we're looking at very closely is um, is commodities. So um, depending on who's elected and what their energy policies are really determines what we're going to do as far as energy production as a nation. Because right now, there's just not a whole lot of one. The, the current administration is just not giving a whole lot of uh, government oil land leases. They're just not. It's They've been such a dry spell in that area. Um, probably the most, I think it was, I heard the stat, it was like the most, uh, the least amount that any president's issued for like the last 30 or 40 years. So um, they're just not issuing these oil companies the ability to go explore and go find new patches of um, petroleum and start the drilling and the fracking and all that process. So um, if you have new legislature, new uh, leaders that come in and say, hey, we actually want to be more energy independent again, and we want to have more pro-energy policies and kind of flip the switch back again, I think that could be a huge thing for us uh, economically as a nation, because we have a lot of oil, um, especially if you go to like Texas, right? Texas is like oil country. Like there's so much of their economy that thrives when oil does well and they can drill and they can frack. And and uh, we ought to have someone that comes on and talk to us about fracking because that's a very interesting technology and it's gotten so much better over the years um, and uh, has allowed the oil industry uh, to 
uh, explore a lot more areas that normally were traditionally unavailable through traditional means with fracking. Because um, I think with traditional oil, you had to actually drill and stick a pipe into the ground and then hit the, you know, the uh, the pool of oil. And then you just start sucking it up and, and extracting it from there. Whereas fracking, you know, they can find areas that maybe there's sediment mixed in <clears throat> with the oil. And through the process of how they, they filter it out and, 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 and do that, they can actually get a lot more uh, oil in different areas. So it kind of opens up the floodgate, if you will. So um, those are kind of all the things we're looking at, uh, being very um, conscious of what's going on around the world and um, trying to be patient, but also um, proactive at the same time too. It's, it's a very difficult thing because we don't want to be reactive. We want to be proactive, but we also have to look to see what's going on on the horizon and how can we plan accordingly and what things do we need to consider and what happens if this happens, what happens if that happens? And so we look at both sides of the coin from a investment perspective to say, okay, well, what if say in the midterms, what if there's a blue wave, you know, what happens then? How does the market respond accordingly? And so we've got kind of like a plan for both sides of the coin, if you will, Uh, no matter what happens, we've got a plan in place to help our clients grow their money and make money. Um, Our chief investment officer said he's been managing money through, Democrats and through Republicans, through wars, through depressions, through, you know, economic booms and busts. He's been there through all of it. So we're, we're, you know, our job, you know, with our clients is to manage their money, manage it well. Um, and, And unfortunately, politics do play a role in some of it. But our job is to just look at how those politics affect policy and how those policies affect the economy and then go from there. Um, you know, our job isn't necessarily to say whether a policy is right or wrong. We just have to look at it and say, how does that affect, you know, and how does it affect the markets? How does it affect the economy? All that. So, um, I just wanted to give that quick market update, uh, what's going on, um, real quick on this Monday. So if you have a chance, we want to talk to you. We'd love to give you an update, tell you more about what's going on in your portfolio, what we're doing from a dynamic uh, responsiveness perspective, and kind of what we're looking for moving forward. We're actually even looking at some additional add-ons to the portfolio that uh, will bring down the volatility but increase the return potential. So we've got a lot of really cool things going on uh, as a firm, and we're just excited for the future. We're, we're op- opportunistic and optimistic, but also we live in reality too. So we, 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 t- we look at, you know, both sides of, you know, what could potentially happen and what are the downsides. But over time, the markets are a great place to invest. And now is a great time to be buying more. If you think, you know, a company like Amazon or Apple or Facebook or Google, whatever the case may be, if you think they're good, solid companies, it's always a good time to buy while they're on a temporary sale. So with that, we thank you for uh, tuning in today with us and Intelligent Investing. We will be back later this week with more episodes. Um, Give us a call. 928-225-2474 or email me at intelligentinvesting at wtwealthmanagement.com. 